Hey guys, it's Christian Babcock from the Hunter's Advantage podcast. At the Hunter's Advantage, our goal is to provide you with the best advice and insight from hunting industry professionals, and hopefully you would use that knowledge or advantage on your next adventure. This week on the podcast, I had the pleasure of interviewing Sean Lundy of Drury Outdoors. We discussed the importance of filming your hunts, how to grow your influence in the outdoor industry, and the new Drury Outdoors deer movement application, DeerCast. I really hope you guys enjoyed this episode of the podcast with Sean Lundy. So this week on the podcast, I have Sean Lundy of Drury Outdoors. Um, how's it going, Sean? Good, good. Happy to be here. I'm excited. Awesome. So uh, to start out, how about you just tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe your role at Drury Outdoors? Um. I guess my role there, I feel like I'm the, the real lucky guy. It was kind of an opportunity, but um, to get more about myself, I was um, born and raised in uh, out Long Island, New York, and uh, you know I'm 40 years old now, so if you go back years ago, the whitetail hunting really wasn't that big. So um, I went into the military, and when I was in the military, I got to visit a couple of buddies out west, and kind of just kept moving a little more and more out west, you know, to pretty much pursue my passion for chasing whitetails um and uh, i've been a fan of jerks probably for as far back as i can remember when they were on vhs tapes and stuff like that and, uh um my this last year i was actually put on the critical mass show but originally i just had a few episodes like on dod tv and stuff like that and uh how a little bit i got started with juries is i was always into film, filming hunts and just kind of not really trying to up the game, but just try to capture those memories and, you know, and be involved. And it was always a dream to be involved in the outdoors, especially to be part of the jury outdoors team. So I started sending in a couple of uh, videos and stuff like that and recording my own things and wasn't really that good at the editing part. So a lot of times I'd have my uh, children help me <laughs> editing and everything, but uh, kids nowadays are so computer savvy. It's, it's amazing. I just continue to tell my kids to keep up on it and keep paying attention to it because realistic a lot of that is going to that now mm-hmm. but um i i just kept you know hanging out with a couple of guys got to meet a couple of real good guys in the industry and guys that were on the team and a uh, little by little just helping out here and there and then um juries went ahead and had me uh submit one of my turkey hunts to just you know kind of introduce myself as being you know a big friend of jury outdoors and stuff like that and so i submitted that and it was um, went over pretty good. It was on DOD TV. It was on Natural Born, mm-hmm. their show with Winchester. And then uh, it was uh, a couple of years ago, uh, Matt reached out to me and said, uh, how do you feel about being a uh, part of the, the new show, Critical Mass, which is one of their big shows now. It kind of replaced, uh, took over dream season. So here we are today. I mean, I can't be happy to be sitting in the position I'm in. And, uh, you know, a lot of people look at it, but I, I think what what makes me so humble and so grateful to be in it is that I, I don't have thousands of acres of land, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of the people out there listening right now, I, I feel like I can relate to them. You know, I'm the everyday guy. I, I still go to the local farmers and try to throw bales of hay every summer for them and just help them out on the farm just to get, you know, small little pieces here or there, whether it's a three acre woodlot with a cow pasture or something and just, you know, something to get my children involved and keep them in the outdoors. So, yeah. No, that's that's awesome. Um, I actually watched. I was watching your turkey hunt the other day. Uh, that was a that was an awesome hunt. Uh, he was on top of your decoy, you know, spurring the decoy. That was that was really cool. That one's on YouTube too. Just to plug it a little bit, if you guys want to watch it. Yeah, it's uh, under um, Task Force Turkey. So, which uh, they actually used that for a um, on a uh, 
what was it? They it was on the Winchester Natural Born, so mm-hmm. it just went over pretty good. Yeah, no, that was that was awesome. So um, I was watching in there, and I think you talked about in that episode about how you started with Jury Outdoors and how it kind of started with a letter. Uh, could yeah. you could you tell um, <laughs> you know, get a little bit more in detail about that? You know, that's one thing about that. You know, there's a lot of great people out there in the industry, and I got to meet a lot of them. But I just, you know, Mark and Terry, Matt Taylor, the whole jury team. You know, they're they're so family oriented. You know, and that they're they're real. What you see is really what you get. Mm-hmm. For years, I just would write letters to them. You know, hey, I just looking if you you know need anybody to help out with something. You know, I'm 40 now. You go back to when I was in my late teens, early 20s. You know, and just kind of. You know, dreaming, you know, I, I didn't care what it was just to help out somewhere, just continue to, to write these letters and let them know I'm involved. And they actually would, would write back, you know, and I, I got a letter a while back from a Terry Dream himself. And he was telling me, you know, just, hey, keep at it. We appreciate the support. And, you know, and, uh, we appreciate do what you do. And he talked about things in those letters that was obvious that he he read my letter, you know, and he personally mm-hmm. responded to it, you know, and, and that alone really says something about somebody's character, you know, and here we are years later, you know, and in my mind, uh, this this is where this was my goal, my dream to be part of Drew Outdoors. And here we are today. So pretty excited about that. Yeah, no, that's, that's awesome. So I think, I think your story about um, about the letter and continuing to write letters year after year, um, says a lot about your persistence. So, you know, what, what would you say to someone that, you know, is persistently pursuing something like that? That's just not quite getting it yet. You know, if, if you're trying to get involved in the outdoor industry and, or even just get involved in filming your own hunts, there's, there's, when I first, it, it kind of, I felt like I was getting, you know, pushed back by my own, you know, by me not having enough confidence because you, you look at it and it's all right, well, you've got to, you got to, you know, these guys don't have jobs and these guys, well, that's, that's so far from the truth. I mm-hmm. mean, the majority of Drury Outdoor staff are, got, we have 40, 50, 60 hour a week jobs. We're all working class people, you know, so don't think, you know, well, if I didn't have a job, I'd be this, you know, hunter on TV and stuff. But that's that's not how it goes, you know. Yeah. If this is something you want, keep at it. Um, if it's film your own hunts, and the only thing I can suggest is, you know, what to film, what not to film. Film absolutely everything. If you could think about something, it could be a an encounter of a bobcat or a squirrel doing something cool. Film it because there's so many things that go into you know producing a hunt. It's not about you know, sitting in the tree and just out there and, you know, we're here to kill something because that's really not what it's really about. And you know, get out there, film your hunts. Um, you know, a lot of the listeners may be younger, I guess younger to me, you know, and I'm mm-hmm. not, like I said, computer savvy, but get out there and try to edit them and put them on YouTube, you know, and, and at the very least, you're going to be sharing these hunts. You know, here we are 20, 20 something years later and my, my dreams finally came reality, you know, mm-hmm. and if we go back a few years ago before I even had the opportunity to become part of the team, it's, I never expected that. So if, if we were to fast forward to where we are now and I wasn't part of Drew Outdoors, it, it wouldn't have took the wind out of my sails because I'm enjoying what I'm doing. You know, whether I'm with the team, not filming hunts, being involved, trying to um, bring more people involved into the outdoors itself, not just into the filming part of it and, you know, to be out there and be on one of these shows on TV, which is, you know, it's definitely cool. And it's, you know, you feel, you know, like you've done it, you accomplished it, but 
to me, it's take a second and step back and don't, and that's what I've done a lot. Don't think, well, I've got to do this to make it here. Enjoy the hunt. Mm-hmm. Enjoy the, the aspect of why you're out there and think of the real reason why you're out in the outdoors. And it's not about trying to become something or to be something bigger later on. It's if you continue what you're doing, but don't lose that track of mind, I guess to say that this is why we're here. This is why we're in the outdoors and things they will come, whether it takes two, three years or whether it takes 20, 30 years. Mm-hmm. If you believe in something, it may not, you know, be where it's, you know, on a, on a outdoor hunting show or, but it could be something where you just a, a pro staff or a company or w- whatever the case may be, you know, maybe it's, you, you thought that, you know, being this, you would be part of, you know, on a show or you would be, you know, part of a, a, a promotional, you know, staff for, a sponsored product and you end up, you know, maybe running a bow shop one day, you know, it's still, it's still part of your dream. You know, it, it, and that's what we're all trying to pursue. Don't keep, be very open-minded about it, you know, yeah. just, but don't give up, keep doing it. And when it comes to me and I'm out there trying to produce a hunt and this is something that a lot of people, they, they go out there, they film the hunt and they're like, they try to edit it all together. And they're like, Oh my gosh, this it's, you know, I, I don't have enough to, to make a show or to make a segment. Mm-hmm. And th- that really shows on how much that myself and, you know, the guys that have been doing this for years and the girls that have been doing this for years have, it's a hunt is just a split second, the actual harvest, but the entire hunt is so much more. I mean, there's hours and hours and days upon days of footage that goes in to show the viewers at home you know, to make them feel like they're part of that hunt. Mm-hmm. It, it's not just a shot. It's, you know, arriving there, you know, catch the landscape and everything else and, and explain what you're doing. And because people will get interested and be yourself. Don't, don't try to come out and, you know, be somebody that, you know, I'm going to go ahead and, if, if, you know, know your limitations and don't, in my mind, I, I don't try to keep up with the Joneses, I guess. Cause, and I'll say it and you'll see it through years and years of juries. As far as, you know, the bow hunt, there's guys on that team that are just unbelievable. You know, they're comp- me. I'm, there's some things that you'll see my confidence level on maybe a, the way a shot is or, or the distance or something. You'll see me hold that back a little bit. Mm-hmm. To me, that's a lot better. Be yourself and be honest because you're going to grow with it. It's, it's like all of us when we were out there and we first started hunting, we realistically – you know, you became the hunter and it was just about getting that first kill. And that's okay. And in my mind, people are like, well, you don't, don't use the word kill and harvest it. That, that's, that's what we do. Yes, we are taking the life of an animal, but there's a reason for that, you know? Mm-hmm. And then from that point, you know, you're automatically going to, you, we're, I guess, you, you know, we, we're competitive people anyway, by nature, you know, that's what humans are. And you're going to move, you know, grow up and decide, Hey, now I'm more of a gamekeeper and now I'm more of a management, you know? So mm-hmm. don't, don't say, well, well, I'm young and I want to film hunts, but you know, it's hard for me to film a hunt because I've got to film a 160 inch deer on camera. No, you don't, you know, explain the hunt. In my mind, the best hunt is one. If you could put a show together and keep people interested in the hunt without a harvest, that's how you need to go into every single thing you film. What if there's no harvest? Will people still be interested in this hunt? You know, and that's one way of looking at it because, you know, if you take the the harvest out of it, what was it still exciting? You, you know what I'm saying? Was it? Yeah. Did you still reach the viewers at home? But if you're thinking, hey, I just got to go out there and just just try to you know get on and, and harvest a giant, and it doesn't happen, then you that's when you start to go back and 
you're in it for the wrong reason. You know what I'm saying? Keep yeah. it fun. Show the viewers at home why you're there, what you're doing, and film everything. The sun coming up, the water running down a creek, whatever it is, film it. So, yeah, no, that's great. I think I think a lot of people uh, when they start, I know I've I've done this too. Is like, man, I, I I need to have you know the best filming gear. I need to have the best bow camera arm, and maybe that's something you could talk into or speak into a little bit. Um, is, you know, maybe telling people that you don't have to have the best gear when you start out and that you're going to grow with it. Um, so what, what kind of stuff did you start out with? There's so much truth that I, I mean, get back to what, what I've started with. I mean, you go back to years ago when I was late teens, early twenties, it's, I just, encounters come in, you'd flip your phone open, you know, I mean, back in the days when a lot of us had the flip phones and I'm sure a lot of us still do, (laughs) you know, and you film a thing. And then from there you, you go to a, but I've done so many years of just like a little Canon, you know, palm cam or something like that, that you can get for, you know, just a hundred or so bucks. And it's now of them, you know, nowadays they have them in high definition. Yeah. And I actually have one and have used it for certain footage. I mean, there's times where you may have a camera that goes down and a lot of these these cameras nowadays, um, being high definition, you don't have to go out there and buy, you know, a two three thousand dollar camera. You know, granted, over the over the years, you know, I've, I've advanced my equipment a little bit with second angle cameras and this, uh, having backup cameras. And right now, I'm use I'm using a just it's a sub it's a small subcompact. It's a Canon XA30, mm-hmm. which is actually a small camera, but it's it's so advanced, you know, um, that you don't really need. And it's not that it's better. There's a lot of other cameras out there that are better, but the whole kit and caboodle, everything that you see, 90% of my hunts on TV are filmed with that and with mics, boom mic, you know, batteries, the camera, the whole nine yards, everything that comes with it. You can pick up one of them for under two grand. And I know it seems like not now, but I didn't start with just buying that $2,000 camera. You know, Mm -hmm. you buy just the base camera and going back to just buying right now a little, you know, Canon or Panasonic, just little palm palm cams and stuff like that. Those things are great because there's actually been times where cameras went down and the remainder of the hunt was filmed with one of those smaller couple hundred dollar um, Mm -hmm. cameras. And a lot of the things of just, if I'm, you know, in the woods, if I'm shed hunting, whatever the case may be, and I don't want to carry the bigger camera, I'll carry just a small, you know, handy camera in my pack or something. And a lot of your B-roll footage leading up to a hunt, you know, when we're starting to produce a show, whatever the case, a lot of that is with a, you know, a cheaper uh, style camera. They're still very good, but you don't have to go out there and, you know, buy a fifty, sixty thousand $60,000 camera. You know, granted, I know a lot of people now that, or filming hunts, very good quality doing it with the DLSRs. Yeah. And, you know, you have the camera that you can take a picture with, but you can also film unbelievable hunts with it. You know, so take that in perspective. Are you going to be filming every day, but you want something that you can also use in your, let's say your normal life. You know, a lot of us, are, our normal life is just addicted to hunting, you know? Yeah. But, you know, if you go to a family party or an event or a sport event, you know, could you use it everywhere and not just in the outdoors? So. Yeah, no, that's that's great. I, I've been doing uh, filming my hunts with the DSLR. Um, I think I think there's definitely room to upgrade, but you know it, it works for now. And I think I think having you know some footage over you know having an insecurity of oh it's not the best footage or it could be better. You know I think I know a lot of people that have a big following that don't have that great of footage. I mean, but they're out there doing it. 
you know? Absolutely. And a lot of it, going back to the DLSRs, you know, on them, you know that a lot of, a lot of times you've got a manual focus. Now, with running your manual focus all the time, things, I mean, you're getting everything crisp the way you want it. But sometimes it's hard to, to you know, follow up or keep in something. And that goes back to saying to film all the time. Record everything. Let that record button go and just just film it. Because it may be something during your hunt that comes out of focus. But when it comes back in, you know, it's something that they can, you know, cut out or edit out, whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. But the actual hunt itself um, most of the time, if I'm out in an open field or hunting over a food plot or something like that, I'll run my, my camera in, um, auto, you know, and some of these, some of these cameras are so advanced, even the cheaper ones that you cannot focus fast enough than that auto, you know what I'm saying? It, right. It just, there's state, but now when I'm in the timber and I'm on a turkey hunt, I most of the time will throw it back into manual because you're, you're, you're shooting through the brush you know, or you're actually filming through the brush and you're trying to wait for the turkey to come in. Well, while you're doing that, you've got a branch a foot in front of you and, mm-hmm. and a foot in front of that branch, you got another one. So you've got to focus through all of that to focus on the bird. So definitely get a camera that has, you know, if you could, that has the manual, but also, also the autofocus. Yeah, no, I think, I think it's, <laughs> it's great to have both of those because there are situations that require both. Absolutely. Um, so maybe we could talk a little bit about uh, how you got involved in hunting and, and when in life did you get involved in hunting? I know you talked about being in the military, um, going with a few buddies. Yeah, I, my hunting actually started, um, I kind of cut my teeth on it. Just, I mean, my dad was, you know, a hunter and in my mind, he was a big hunter. I yeah. Guess, uh, you know, me and a couple of people in my family, we took it to a whole nother level. You know? <laughs> yeah. Growing up, um, my dad always would take us out rabbit hunting. I've done a lot of, uh, waterfowl hunting right on the Long Island Sound out there in New York, you know, shooting plenty of bufflehead and magansers and yeah. stuff like, you know, just a lot of sea ducks. And, you know, a few times a year we would drive, you know, three, four hours up into the, the Catskill Mountains and stuff like that up there in New York and hunt, you know, every year, usually around the uh, Thanksgiving break, you get a few days off. It was our annual deer camp. We'd go up there and we'd hunt pub, uh, public ground and, you know, some state parks that you have to draw for a permit and stuff like that. So hunting has always been a big part of my life, but I think once I got into the military, you know, and started meeting, you know, a lot of these, uh, Midwestern boys and girls and it's, you know, seeing the, you know, the type of hunting they were doing, it kind of blew my mind that, you know, we'd be talking about hunting and they'd say, well, Hey, yeah, when I get off at work at night, you know, I usually try to make it out to the stand Well, growing up on Long Island, it wasn't like that all the time. You, you took days off or you, you left school for a few days, you know, and then moving out West, being able just to, you know, drive down the road to the farmer or something like that and be able to hunt in, in my mind. I'm like, that's where I need to be. You know, mm-hmm. nothing about New York. I love New York. I go back several times a year to see family. We still do a lot of fishing out there and want to foul hunt and stuff like that. But, you know, little by little, I knew that, that if I wanted to pursue not just something in the out, out, you know, in the outdoors, as far as like being on a team, but just to pursue my passion and to fill my needs as a whitetail hunter, a turkey hunter, I needed to be out west, so eventually I made my way out there. <laughs> yeah, no, that's cool. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. Um, so maybe next we could talk about your experience uh, with outfitters because I saw you were down in Oklahoma, which is my home state. You killed a nice yep. buck in Oklahoma this year, correct? Uh, I, I ended up uh, my good buddy Garrett down there ended up um, harvesting two deer mm-hmm. in three days down there. Oh wow! And uh, I know it's 
shouldn't say like, you know, you don't want to give away good spots, but I, I don't think Oklahoma is a sleeper state no more. The word is out and they've got some, you know, unbelievable whitetail down there. Now their body size may be a little bit smaller, you know, yeah. but they've got some world-class animals. Yeah. So, so for someone that's listening, that is like, you know, Hey, I've hunted public land. I hunt, you know, a small private thing. I'd like to save up some money and I'd like to go on a really nice guided or maybe hunt with an outfitter. What is that like for you? And you know, to, to me, it's, you know, I, I look at that and everyone really think, well, you go out and you get these free hunts. You, you don't, you know, we're going out there and we're basically filming what we would do if we weren't on a pro staff, you know? So yeah. I, I have went to several outfitters before and a couple good buddies of mine over the years that I've just met, even before the team that are still outfitters that go down there and, you know, more, it's more, it's more of like a friend relationship. Now you, you're actually going down there and helping them manage the farms and do stuff. And, you know, in the meantime, when they have clients in, you, you realize, Hey, you know, you're, you're going to be on your own, you know, but as far as for looking for outfitters, I, I've, I've been to outfitters back in the day that, you know, I may have felt, man, I really didn't, you didn't get what you're paying for. Cause we work hard, you know, to go and pay, you know, two, three, four thousand dollars for that once in a lifetime, you know, hunt or something that you're saving up to go to every few years. That just yeah. that place you want to go. Um, call they have references and ask for references and ask for people to call and make sure it's an outfitter that wants you to stay in touch with them. You know, and most of the ones that they use now, they do. It's something where they're sending you pictures, they're up to date pictures and um, you know, what the combinations are and yeah, a lot. I, I hunt with a lot of children. You know, my my kids are all big into the outdoors. So it's something that you know, is it children friendly? You know, to get there is it something that you know the kids not going to have to walk as much? Or yeah, when I, when I'm not with the children, you know, I don't mind putting in the, the miles on the boots, and, and that's why I like to do it all down down with Garrett. And it's just you know, it's all what you're into. It's I, I like me personally going to outfitters that let me get more involved, mm-hmm. like. I want to go out there. I want to check the cameras with you. I want to put my own cameras out, but for the, the, the person that's, you know, and I understand how blessed them to be able to hunt everywhere now, but for someone that's, you know, saying, Hey, in two, three years, I want to save up for a place and I want to go, you know, contact, you know, reference. And like I said, not just one contact, two, three, four, five, and talk to them and ask them about their hunt. And the biggest thing in my mind is when I talk to somebody on the phone as a reference, and they did not harvest an animal multiple years in a row, mm-hmm. but they tell me how great this place is. That's the places I've wanted to go to, you know, because I've been on some hunts where the game is just unbelievable that it's target rich environment, but didn't enjoy myself as far as, cause it's not like, you know, I get back to, it's not just about killing an animal. Yeah. You know, I, I still have places that I go to and I, you know, I may be, less enough to harvest one every three or four years, but I still save the money up and go there every couple of years because it's more about the adventure. And it's, you know, we, we want to add stories because, you know, when, when we're done with this earth and we're gone, that's all we've got is those memories and our family and friends. And it, you know, a place that, you know, it may be something just having two years in a row of having these great encounters and knowing that it's there, you know, it, it to me, that's what it's about. It's not about the harvest. So I, I want to, when I'm looking for an outfitter, yes, it's good to see pictures and it's good to see combinations and how everything's set up. But I want to talk to clients that are there and maybe have went a year or so without harvesting an animal. And then 
I want to know why they're going back. Do, do you know what I'm saying? There's a reason yeah. for that. Something's drawing them back to deer camp every year. So mm-hmm. it's not necessarily about, you know, if you come down here, you're, you know, I, I can pretty much give you a decent opportunity. You're going to harvest the deer and, during this week or the month of November, this or that. The other thing too is plan, plan accordingly to it. You know, if you're to me, whenever I go to outfitters because your time is limited, I I try to stay. And if you look, a lot of those times are, are booked up, but them early season where they're patterned, or you get in there in November where you never know what's going to come. You know, chasing a doe through there, or then mm-hmm. again, late season is another hot time where they're they're back on a food source. They're thinking with their bellies now, and, and they want to get out there. So do your research, do your time. You know, put your your time on the phone and stuff, and contact people, and ask the outfitter if it's somewhere where you're only a few hours away, and whether whether you're you know, a single person or you do have a family, wife, kids, husband, whatever, see if they're willing to let you come out there, you know, in the off season, some of the best outfitters I know out there, they, they welcome, you know, their clients to come out there. And realistically, after a year of them being a camp, they don't want you as a client, a good outfitter. They want you as part of the camp, the family, you know what I'm saying? And, yeah. And, and a lot of times that's how I think of it. If, if I go out there and, I've, you know, spend some money and I don't harvest an animal, it doesn't really bother me because I know, you know, I found those certain outfitters that I know what that money's going to, not only to feed you, but it's when you're not there, you know, to work the food plots, to stand preparation, to make sure that, you know, everything is safe and, and up to date and so on. So that, that's definitely something. There's a lot you got to put into it. It's not something you should, you shouldn't make a decision, you know, just by looking through the internet. Don't be afraid to make the phone call, talk to them, get on a personal level. And uh, you'll be amazed. There's you know, a lot of people knock outfitters, but there's a lot of great outfitters out there that really, you know, in their mind, it's if they get on the phone and they and they're just talking about, you know, giant deer, this or that, but they don't want to know about, you know, what, what else you're interested in, you know. And another thing is a lot of outfitters out there have other things to do when you're in the area, mm-hmm. too, whether it's fishing or, or something else to keep you involved. So. No, that's cool. There's a lot that goes into it, but you know, it's just it's it's not necessarily well. You know, if this outfitter's it's percentage rate, and, you know, mm-hmm. everyone always wants to know that. You know, and wants no shot opportunity, but you're really not going to know until you get on the phone and you start talking to people that went out there and, and really start to do a little bit of your own homework. Yeah, no. One of the I just ask because one of the I think the big misconceptions about outfitters is you know shooting fish out of a barrel. And I just, I just think that's, that couldn't be further from the truth. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, when hunting a a low fence animal that can do anything, I mean, it's great. Some people have more fertile ground than others, but, um, I I think that's a common misconception of outfitters. If I'm going to pay three or four grand, I'm going to go and I'm going to guaranteed it an elk or I'm guaranteed a shot at a white tail. Absolutely. You know, and there's some places where you have great opportunity, but then again, if you look, the the tags are very hard to come by, you know, it's something that's a, uh, a long you know, waiting period. And it may be one of those places or, or states or one of the units in the state that, you know, their, their management plan is just unreal, you know, absolutely awesome, you know, and it's one of those where, yeah, you're probably going to pay a little more, but you know, with you going back to say that it's just shooting fish in a barrel, that is the furthest from the truth because a lot of the, you know, most of the, the outfitters I use now, actually um, all of them I use now, I only use about two or three of them, but it's to the point where, you know, even with going back to Gary, you know, he's just another place. When I, you know, when I'm with him, it's, it's 
more. I mean, there's times where we're down there and we're trying to make it happen and we don't, you know, but there's mm-hmm. learn from it. You know, why didn't, you know, I, I'm, you know, this year and we're on the deer cast all the time and it makes so much sense, you know, that the pressure and how, I mean, Mark and Terry, they've got that down to a science, that whole deer cast thing. It's unbelievable, but it helps you understand more on maybe why you didn't see nothing. And it is mother nature. And if you're out there and you're, you're at an outfitter and it's fair chase, it's, it's, that is the furthest from the truth that you're going to go down there and it's going to happen. Because if you set yourself up that, Hey, I'm heading to Illinois or I'm heading to Ohio and I'm going to kill me a giant. You're, you're only setting yourself up for failure. Set yourself up to realize that you're going to go out there. If you did find the right outfitter and you're going out there for the opportunity and you're hunting, you know, and that's what it is. You're out in the woods, creating memories, but don't forget you're hunting. It's not something, you know, there aren't deer that stand behind it, you know, every tree and, you know, all the places that I've been this year, you know, I was blessed enough to harvest three whitetail. Mm-hmm. And, you know, in some people's mind, they were not giants. But to me, they all had such a story to it. They were great deer to me. And, you know, <laughs> there's the, the, so much meat that came out of that. And I'm, you know, more than proud. They'll they'll definitely be on the wall. It's not that it's what it's about. But last year, I hunted just as hard. And um, I harvested, you know, one great deer in Nebraska. Mm-hmm. But there's so many other states that i went to including my own um we do own a little hobby farm and a lot of the hunts that you'll see with me over the years will be on a place down in southern illinois and it's a 40 acre place a lot of my hunts are, are going in you know are, are right there so when people see you know those hunts down there you know they realize that you can make it happen on a small parcel of property yes yeah. it did take years and years of i'm gonna take this three acres over here and i'm gonna hinge cut it properly and you know, um, try to thin down some of the non-desirable trees and keep your mass, you know, crop trees and white oaks and stuff and create bedding area. But it's fun because when it, when it all comes together, it's, you know, to me, it's a, it, it's more than, than just the harvest. My, my father this year, and I'm hopeful you guys will be able to see it this year on critical mass. He, he harvested, you know, some people may say, you know, why did he shoot that deer? But, you know, I was able to capture the hunt when you guys see it, you'll completely understand he's in his seventies. He's beat cancer twice. He's mm-hmm. a, um, a combat vet, you know, see the purple heart and he just, it's the biggest deer of his lifetime, you know, and this That's is awesome. the guy, the guy that brought me into the outdoors, you know what I'm saying? So, right. But yeah. yeah so going to an outfitter, it's, it's no different than, than having your own piece of property and you know, that you're just, you're, you're paying basically, almost like you're leasing in my mind, you know, think of it that way. If you find the right outfitter, you know, the money is going into what you're doing with it. And that's how it is with, you know, with Garrett and some of the um, ones, but now it's almost like, cause I, I do lease some ground, mm-hmm. you know, to, to get out there and just try to maybe cause you know, my management, you know, over the last few years is starting to get better and I'm trying to do things a little different. Now, right. Of course, that's until we get a new hunter or my children out there, and it's it's games off. You know, they they don't have limitations on the farm. I want to see <laughs> smiles on their faces, and mm-hmm. I want to see them wanting to go back and back every time. So yeah, that's awesome. So maybe you could uh, could you tell us a little bit more about uh, the outfit that you went to in Oklahoma? Because a lot of people that are going to be listening to this are going to be from Oklahoma, and maybe this is one they can get plugged in with. Oh, absolutely. Um, there's my buddy Garrett over at Name the Game, and um, you know I've known him for a while now, and he was on me. You know, you need to get down here. You need to get down here, and you know we we stay in touch a lot. And actually, here in March, we're getting ready to just me and him together. Nothing to do with his 
you know, his business. We're going to go out and try to um, bow fish some paddle fish and things oh, like nice. that. Well, he finally got me to start coming down there. And, you know, he's, he's got it all going down. I mean, if you're into the predator hunting, it, it is kind of a year round thing. I mean, he's got predator hunting. He's out right now. He's still harvesting waterfowl for those late season waterfowl hunters out there. Um, he's harvesting, uh, he's got upland birds and to whitetail to him, it, it's, it's second to none down there. It's unbelievable. Um, well, a lot of people may be a little discouraged, but I think it's a plus for Garrett is he limits his numbers, you know, yeah. and that's why his place is the way it is. Um, he's even got mule deer hunting, you know, he's got a couple places in Texas, some, you know, family ranches from back in the day. And that he, and when we say limit the amount of mule deer hunts, it may be, you know, next year, two mule deer hunts, you know, that's the only, he's going to, he'll sell, two of them and that's it but when you go out there you're gonna see a lot of game weather permitted you know there's times where you know it was just unbelievable evenings and there's sometimes maybe slow but you know it's fair chase you know and and that's part of it so um he's really yeah he's absolutely got it going on down there and it's it's first class like i said it's you know i really i guess i you know it's kind of a good question to ask me that because i don't when I look at him now, I think of him more as a friend, you know, cause right. we're down there and we're trying to get it done together. And we always make sure that there's, that he's got nobody, you know, in the lodge and stuff like that. And it's just, Hey, listen, let's get down there together and let's film each other on a couple hunts. And let's see if we can get on one this week, you know, and, mm-hmm. but, but I, I've been there when he has, you know, clients in camp and it's, it's unbelievable. It's, you know, a lot of times, you know, it may have the food maybe catered in or maybe something where everybody just goes out at night, you know, and, um, we're all out there eating at, be at a steakhouse, whatever the case may be. And it, it's nothing but laughs and good times and talking about, and him and a couple of his guys, they make it a point to, you, you know, I've seen it several times where his guys will come up to Garrett and say, Hey, listen, this is, you know, a couple of days he's been here. He's seen this, but he, he don't feel comfortable with this. And instantly Garrett makes the move, puts him on. And uh, I'll tell you what the percentage, you know, once he makes moves and knows what your limitations are and what you can do, mm-hmm. um, you're, you're going to leave there happy. And if, if, if you don't leave there with the harvest, um, he, he puts the work in to do it. I, I can pretty much assure you, you will be back. His place is unbelievable. So that's cool. Yeah. I'll, I will definitely be checking that out uh, since it's not, not too far from me. Uh, so you had mentioned earlier um, about the DeerCast app, which I didn't—I completely goofed and didn't think about talking about this, but it's something I used oh, all year. And unbelievable! No, it's great, I, and and maybe you could talk a little bit more about it. You know, I I've been driving down the road before, and it's like a, I know like we said in the beginning, I'm not a big computer savvy person, and I'd be driving down the road and be like twelve thirty in the afternoon, one o'clock, and all of a sudden you'll see a couple deer out in the in the field, and I'll be on my way to work. And, Home minutes later, see another deer out of the field. You're like, well, that's kind of weird. You know, maybe a coyote or something around the mountain. Yeah. Go down the road a few more miles and you see, and I would throw that deer cast up. And unbelievable how at that time, within the next hour and a half, the pressures were rising above 30, you know, and it's, they've literally got it down to a science. And what's so neat about it is they break it down into every phase. And mm-hmm. it could be something where to really, it's really good for the everyday people like us that have jobs and it's, you want to go ahead and I'm going to take a few days off this weekend. Is it, should I burn a day this Friday or should I wait till next Friday? Throw that app open mm-hmm. and the app, you set it to where you're at, you know? So it's picking up the weather where you're at, the pressure where you're at, what, what's going on with the moon, the deer moving the whole nine yards. And it, it's like, and then you can also scroll down and you can 
you know, click on during that time, how to hunt. And, and Mark and Terry tell you over years and years of experience, you know, what to do. And it, it really, you know, everything's fair chase still and we're out there in a while, but it completely changed the way you hunt. I mean, and unbelievable, not to mention that for 30 years, they're celebrating their anniversary now. They're giving away a farm this year. So if you guys haven't seen that already, get on to the DeerCast app and down in the bottom right corner, it's the farm giveaway. Click on that. And uh, at the end of the year, they'll be giving away a turnkey operation in Missouri. So oh, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. yeah unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. I was using it this past year. And I mean, for me being in college, um, you know, public ground, some good, the, the ground that I like to hunt is in Southeast Oklahoma. So it's two and a half, three hours from me. Yep. And so it's, it's a six hour round trip and, and, in a truck that's not cheap. So no. being able to, to mitigate, you know, Hey, it's showing great all weekend on the app and it's broken down by poor, bad, good, great. And all those, it, it literally breaks it down to a science, but it's helped me just because, and, and I've, and I've tested it too. Um, I've went on some weekends that said poor and it was poor and I've went on some weekends that were great. You know, and I've talked to a few people about that because I've had, you know, um, fortunately my social media on Instagram has exploded, you know, and I think a lot of it is because I truly do take the time to talk to everybody I can and try to respond to everybody that has a question or whatever the case may be. And one of the big things with the deer cast that I was picking up on is, you know, a lot of people look at it and they just, we all want to see that dark green, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> we all want to see that Definitely. it's great. But there's times where if it doesn't say, you know, if it's not in the dark red and it's poor, well, or it may be a day that it says it's not good, but it's the only days, you know, you might have the next two, three days. And unfortunately it's just, it's the only day you can hunt. Well, you can pull up that and look and basically, you know, it might be telling you the majority of the day is this is not one of the days that you would, I guess, decide that you're going to be, you know, mm-hmm. be in the stand. But if your time's limited, you can go ahead and break those days down and, you know, say tomorrow's showing for poor. And it may tell you that it's going to be poor, but the pressure is rising and the movement is going to pick up between 11 and 1.30. You know, so even on those poor days, there's still – What's the best time out of those poor days? What's not going to waste your time? Mm-hmm. So it's a, that that's also that that's worked to me down in um Southern Illinois. You know, you go down there and you, you take a few days off of work, and it's like, hey, I've got to try to make this happen. So while I'm down there, you know, if you only got four or five days to try to make something happen and try to get some footage and create some encounters and stuff, well, it might be showing that you know the next two days are poor. Well. Yeah, I mean, there's times if the wind direction is not right. I mean, there's no sense hurting it going out there. Yeah. But if the wind direction is right and everything else is right, there's times I've turned around and maybe sleep in or I'll just get in the morning and I'll glass the fields and there is no movement. And I, I might pop in the blind at 1030 and sure enough at around noon, one o'clock, it might have been slow movement, mm-hmm. but it was the only movement that day, you know, and would make sense why the day was poor. But. I was able to, to make something out of it. It's been a great app for me. I'm, I really appreciate the uh, the one year of free trial because <laughs> I know. And, and also, not to mention, if you guys are into watching, you know, the, the jury shows and and the DOD TV and a lot of the Mossy Oak shows and the Gamekeepers and stuff like that. It's it it's got all of that stuff crammed into that, 
you can be sitting at, not to be saying we should be doing it at work, but if you're at work and you got some <laughs> downtime, you can go back five, six years ago and pull up shows and watch the entire episodes. So it's right there. Everything you need, the outdoor television, hunting tips, the whole nine yards right in the palm of your hands. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. So you talked a little bit about, um, you know, developing a following um, for someone that's trying to, you know, maybe develop their their influence in the outdoor industry. Um, you know, how, how have you done that? What have you seen that, that's worked the best? I know you've amassed over 20,000 Instagram followers. Pretty impressive. Yeah. And, and it, it, it really started taking off. But a lot of it is, you know, like, you know, sometimes it's hard to, to get back and follow everybody. But when you're on when you're on social media or the Instagram, when, you know, people comment on it, I, I, I take a time and I don't care if it's six comments or if it's a hundred comments, you know, get back in there and look at them. And, you know, I'm like, I just, you know, did one today about, you know, what's the, your go-to food plot, you know, what, what would you suggest? And in my mind, if I only could plant one, you know, I try to plant a little bit of everything, but if I yeah. only could plant one, I would go with clover me personally. But I started looking through that, you know, and, and I, you know, started, you know, liking most of them because there's, and people see that, you know, Hey, there's a guy from the author industry. He just, he acknowledged my, you know, some people were, were saying that beans and I'll tell you what, if it's late season, you know, like I said, I don't have big tracks of ground, so I don't have a place where, you know, where I got a 30 acre bean field and they leave four or five acres standing, but you talk about late season standing beans. I mean, that's unbelievable. You yeah. know, and some of your biggest deer, you know, so Get in there, and when someone makes a comment and stuff like that, you know, it's, I mean, respond to it. Interact with them. It's, it's not just, there's so many people that are out there, and they're on social, and they're, they're trying to do it, you know, for for the likes, and they're trying to do it just to get followers. But, you know, they're, they're not commenting back. They're not interacting with the people that, you know, a lot of times are really help, you know, helping them be where they're at, you know, and giving them the following. And, and so don't, be, be personal and, and make if you're going to be out there, keep it clean, you know, especially when you're in the outdoor industry, there's a lot of young up and coming kids that are, that are watching our content and mm -hmm. get them involved and post things about you, you know, or post things about people that you're hunting with so they can get a little bit to know about you, you know? So, yeah, but definitely interact, you know, it's not just about putting something up there. I mean, get in there and talk with them is a, a lot of, a lot of times I'll go through and, you know, I'm, I might post something where, you know, it's five or six, I'll get five or six comments out of it. And then I go to my direct messages and I'll have 20 direct messages, you know, and right. I like to go through there and, and, and comment back with people, you know, and let them know, Hey, you know, keep me posted on your season because I, I want to know what my followers or fans out there are doing and, and, and how they're, because you'd be amazed. And I don't, everyone out there can say it. I don't care who they are. We, you know, most of us are the everyday people. We're learning from each other. It's not just because you've had the opportunity, you're blessed to, to be around some of the best in the street that, that all of a sudden we become the best because, you know, it's, it, I, to this day, you know, I contact, you know, people at work and buddies and people on the team and, you know, certain people that are reaching out to me on Instagram and it's, you know, have you ever tried this? And I thought, you know, I've never thought about that, but it makes total sense, you know? So it, interact with your followers and, you know, keep it keep it personal, keep it real. So I love the, the idea of, of interacting. I mean, that's, that's kind of one of the, the main points of me starting this podcast, the hunter's advantage is, you know, just helping hunters become better hunters, you know, from people that have done it. And so, yeah, that's, that's great. And you know, you brought up a good point there helping. And that's the thing it, to become a better hunter. 
the only way to become a better hunter is, I mean, you can, yes, we can read books, but you, you want to read them articles. And it's the same thing on social media. You're getting comments, little mini articles or people, you know, might be only a little three or four line thing. Try this. And you learn from experience and none of us out there have experienced everything in the whitetail woods. Yeah. So someone out there has experienced something different and it may be something I look at and, you know, you know, I've never even thought about it. Some of the people have posted some things when they were field dressing a deer, some things they found inside a deer, you know, or things that the way, uh, you know, the body was formed different than other. Well, this entire year, every time I field dress one of our deers, I, I looked for those characteristics, you know what I'm saying? It's something that I didn't know about that was very rare, but you're going to, when people start responding, it's like, Hey, you know, back three, four years ago, I had the same thing happen. So, you know, our experience is something that we have, but we need to share it with others and the same thing. I mean, we need to learn from each other. So Mm -hmm. now you talked about sharing, you know, your experience with others. And, and, you know, I think you, you have a big family with what you have five kids. Absolutely. So we have five kids, one son and four daughters. (laughs) (laughs) So what does that look like uh, getting your kids involved in the outdoors? Why, why has that been really important to you? Because, you know, and it's, it's, it's a good topic because especially like my youngest daughter, Ellie, she has never really been, you know, she's likes, you know, living in the country, you know, she's crazy about horses, stuff like that. But one, you you want your children to share your passion. It's just natural. Mm -hmm. But just remember that they're, they're not completely you. They do have their own mind. So it's one of those things I've never forced my kids to hey we have to go hunt this is what you're doing you're going to sit here because if you make it where it's something they don't want to do on their own they're going to want to get involved because i don't care and there's nothing wrong with you know my my kids you know from time to time they're still on the ipad or you know doing something on on tv or something but the stuff you're going to experience outside in the outdoors that's uncontrollable i mean that's mother nature you know so i feel they're going to learn more from being in the outdoors and and it's more of like life lessons but overall you know hunting if you look at the the amount of hunters now it's it's actually going down yeah you know over the last few years and that's pretty scary and i know you know with the a lot of the gun laws and stuff like that but we they're our future you know just through a snap of a finger you know here i am four years old i keep thinking you know you know, here's my dad in it. When my dad was in, he's in his seventies now, but when he was in his mid forties, you know, it's when we found out he had cancer for the first time, you know, and I think about that, you know, life flies by, you know, and, and my father passed it on to me and I'm trying to pass it on to my children because, you know, maybe it might be something that they, luckily most of them are interested in it, but if, if it's a child that's not interested in it, but they still understand it and they know how much of a, you know, it's good experience it is. And it's more of a memory they may pass it on to their kid. You know, there's plenty of hunters we have out there now that parents may not have, you know, been such a big hunter or that, you know, addicted to it, like some of us into hunting, mm-hmm. but they still, you know, knew that, Hey, this is something that, you know, you know I've talked to many people, you know, let's say when well, my father wasn't really into hunting, but when I was, he, he, he always took me to, to go out and go hunting and to do this. And he didn't really hunt much, but he did it more for me, you know? And yeah. that kind of goes a little bit back to my dad. My dad, you know, my mind was a big time hunter, but now I really think he's continuing to, to hunt with us. You know, he's getting up there in age, but one, cause he wants to see the grandkids involved. And two, he, 
he does it to spend time with us. You know, it's not about going out there and like you said, killing an animal again, but it's, you know, spending time, you know, with the family and getting back to my youngest daughter. I mean, I, will she ever harvest a deer? I don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. it may happen this year. It may not. And, you know, to her, she eats venison, you know, she, um, is around, you know, dairy farms and stuff like that. So she, you know, she eats beef and stuff like that, but she just doesn't in her mind want to harvest a deer, you know, she's like, well, I'm not going to go out there and harvest them a mommy deer, you know, and, yeah. you know, it, she always says if I harvest a deer, it's going to be a big old buck. Well, <laughs> realistically, it's not something I mean, every year we go out and try to get, you know, that big old buck, but we, we're really doing it, you know, for the meat and, and, and why we're out there. And will she, I don't, I don't know if she will, but here lately, I've been doing a lot of predator hunting, turkey hunting, and she's loving it and she's wanting to be involved. Um, just this morning when we went to bed last night, you know, I asked her if she wanted to go out again and she's like, no, I'm going to sleep in. So sure enough, me and my son, we got up five 30 this morning and I could hear little footsteps upstairs and here comes <laughs> the youngest. And she's like, Hey daddy, I'm going with you. I'm like, well, all right. I mean, it, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, are you, what, did you, are you scared? Is it, what, what, what happened? Did you have a dream? She's like, no, I, I want to go. You That's know, awesome. and she got there today and she was behind the rifle the whole time, you know, waiting for a, a, a cow. And she's been there for several harvests. She's been there several times um, on film, you know, part of a harvest. She has no problem, you know, help tracking the deer, dragging it out, field dressing it the whole nine yards. But she just hasn't showed that true passion that, you know, my, my son, I'm sure my son probably hunts a lot more now because it's either that or staying, play Barbie dolls with four <laughs> sisters. But, you know, so... But just it's so important to get them involved because that's it. When we're done, whatever, you know, if you really care about this outdoor lifestyle and this passion, if you're not passing it on and not just to your children, I mean, I can't say that enough, not just your children. If mm-hmm. there's a family member or someone you're at a, a school or something and they're like, well, hey, if, if it's a parent talking to you, it's, well, did you guys go hunting? If, if that parent turned around and says, well, I'm not really into it, but my son – don't hesitate. I mean, offer to take that child out because that's, you don't know until you try. And some of them may hunt once or twice. We all know those people that they hunt, but they may not go out as much. It's just not their thing. And, you know, it's, we all remember that first time, you know, when we were younger going out and going hunting, that's all it took. And there's so many people out there. I think there's so many more than we know of that do not hunt because they are never either offered or given the opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know, if we go out there, um, you know, our, the, the way we're, we're, you know, the way God created us, I mean, genetically how we are, you know, we're, we're hunters, you know what I'm saying? We have, yeah, we are. they're there for a reason. We eat meat, you know? <laughs> yeah. So it's, it, it's all on how you introduce that child to it. Make it fun. Turkey hunting is one of the best things in the world in my mind to introduce a kid. It's kind of like fishing. It's hard mm-hmm. to take them to that, to that river and you're trying to catch them a small mouth when they might catch one that day and may not. You always want to take them to that local farm pond where they're just going to hammer the bluegill, the brim, you know, and just yeah. get them excited. It's the same thing with turkey hunting. I, most of the kids, you know, not only my own, but friends that have children that they're just not in the hunting, but the kids want to. I always love taking them on a turkey hunt because in the morning we may not get a turkey the few days we go out, but they're hearing the gobbles. They're hearing the, and it's, you could just look, the look on their face and it, that's why we do it. That's why, you know, we, our outdoors man and that's why it's so strong for us to stick together so yeah no something i've started doing um 
is I got a lot of buddies um, that I'd say the majority of my friends probably don't hunt, but they see me doing it all the time and they want to go. So I got to take a couple friends out this year uh, that had never been hunting before. And one of them shot at a hog. We didn't, <laughs> we, he didn't hit it, but he was like, I want to go again. And and it was, it's that moment in creating those experiences with people that I I can tell, I can tell when someone is going to be a hunter for life, you know? And so, yeah, it's, I love that. Not only having an obligation to your, to your kids or your family, but you know, to other people that want to go as well. Yeah. It's, they are our future. And we, yeah, we, like you said, we, we're, it is our obligation as a hunter to don't, don't be selfish about it. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's, I know we all want to protect our ground and, and there are some, you know, certain individuals out there that sometimes can give hunters a bad name, but when it comes to the children, let, let's all, you know, even if we have different views, we all have to agree. If we don't get this new generation involved, th- this hunting lifestyle, this outdoor lifestyle, it's going to go bye-bye. I mean, it's our obligation to get them involved, bottom line. Yeah. No, that's great. So you talked about having, uh, you know, you're, you're a working class guy. You work in law enforcement. My dad does too. Uh, he's running for chief of police this year in our hometown, which is cool. Uh, and you have a family and you know, you're, you're a busy guy. So how do you, how do you find time, uh, to be out in the outdoors? Um, I, it's, it is, you know, juggling a, a lifestyle. It's, and for all the, the male hunters out there, you know, it's, you're, you've you've got to make time for the wife you've got to make time for the family because they're they are making the sacrifices when it's time away from home with them but what what i've learned to do more is one keep them all involved try to get them all involved it's my wife has filmed me on hunts um, she actually hasn't harvested an animal yet but mm-hmm. she is very interested she wants to so bad go out and harvest a turkey you know and there's been a several times we were you know out hunting on our own little piece of ground and you know she thought about well just i said hey we'll just you know use one of your landowner tags and and she had the opportunity and you know sure enough she's like well i just kind of like watching it but it it was a couple days later the same opportunity and she watched me harvest and she was completely fine with it she eats the meat i mean we just it's unbelievable i mean when you're feeding a family of seven how much venison we go through yeah (laughs) so we try not to waste you know everything but yeah, what I like to do too is I do like, for instance, if, if I'm going down to our small little cabin in Southern Illinois or even up here in Indiana, and if we're going out to check cameras or, you know, look for sheds, don't don't just turn around and say, hey, I'm going to go out and just see who wants to go in the family. You know, you'd be amazed on for everybody out there, and you know, for the husbands and wives, you know, that have – young ones i mean bundle them up get them out there with you and you may find out i mean just you know take the phone and take pictures and it's you know it's you're going to look back at those pictures and say i'm I'm glad i did that i'm glad i got them involved but there is time and it's you know friends this last year i i tried to you know time everything all of my turkey hunts within 12 hours of my house yeah i know that seems far but someone that's trying to you know, go out there and, and you want to produce some good turkey hunts or even some deer hunts. It's, you know, I figure 12 hours, I can, you know, limited time. I could take off on a, on a Friday. And I know this sounds crazy, but it's what we do. <laughs> we, okay. I'll, I'll get out Thursday evening. 
I'll go ahead and I'll drive halfway through the night. I might sleep in a truck stop, get up in the morning and hunt Friday evening, all day Saturday, all day Sunday, drive home, maybe take Monday off. Mm-hmm. Well, I was doing that a lot of turkey hunting and I could do about 12 hours. Anything after that, you know, when you start getting to 14, 15 hours and you're by yourself, you know, or it's just you and the cameraman, you, you, you tend to want to make that a two day trip. So with that being said, you know, I told my wife this year, you know, I'm going to limit my turkey hunts. I, um, I'm going to go ahead and actually hunt Indiana with the kids and, you know, go ahead and use the, our property tag that we have down in Illinois. But, you know, I, I may try to reach out. I mean, I know my buddy Garrett, you know, we're going to get over there and try to chase some, some birds in Oklahoma, but there's a lot of the other, you you got to make those sacrifices, you know, and it's, it's, much of you like, well, I'm going to hunt and yeah, I've tried it before, you know, well, I hunted before I met you and it's, it's <laughs> not going to work. She put her foot down and, and that's fine, you know, and there's, but make time for them and, and get them involved. And, you know, like I said, what if I'm doing food plots or something, I'll get them down there and, you know, get the kids on the ATVs or it's something where, you know, just let them get out there. And, you know, if you're doing something, bring them out there, let them see the land. Like I said, they're going to experience more stuff out there than the gunner if you don't get them involved. So make time for your family. It, yes, you do need an absolute understanding spouse. There's hands down, no doubt about that. Mm-hmm. You know, there's the old saying that behind every successful buck, there's even a more successful doe. Yeah. And there's so, there's so much truth, truth to that, you know? So, but make time for it make the sacrifices and uh, a few years i've been hunting you know five six weeks you know and you know not weeks straight but like you know this weekend and next weekend i'm trying again and next weekend you know if you got to balance that time with the family it's so important to remember to to keep the family involved because they are a future especially the young ones but get on that beer cast app and it's going to help you manage the right time, you know, and right. You know, you can always turn around and, and I'm not going to say I haven't done it. I have done it. And I've looked at the, uh, the beer cast app and I'm sure when my wife listens to this, I'm not going to hear the end of it, but it's, <laughs> it's, it's calling for poor, poor, you know, Saturday and Sunday, this or that. I'll say, Hey, listen, you know, I, I I'm making a fact. I'm going to go to that event. And she's like, well, I thought you were going to go hunting. Well, for you, hon, you know, yeah. so, hey, your, your cast app can, can work. So yeah, uh, make those sacrifices and, and, you know, because our family, and especially my mom, they're my biggest supporters and they hands mm-hmm. down are my biggest fans. So it's important for me to try to keep them happy and not only just keep them involved. So <laughs> that's awesome. I'm sure, I'm sure the DeerCast app has saved many men's yes, time. <laughs> that's awesome. No, I actually want to spend this weekend with you. I decided. <laughs> That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, I just, you know, I'm going to give up everything on it. Your cast is calling for good, you know. Hopefully <laughs> she don't got the app on that phone, but I, honestly, she might as well get it on the phone because there's it's such cool, the content that is on there. It's uh, even just the, the daily stories that are coming in, you know, just, there's just a, you know, one, just a few days back, you know, what to do in the winter months and stuff to keep the kids involved in the outdoors. And there's so many tips and stuff that make so much sense, you know. It's, yeah. So. That's awesome. So, uh, just wrapping up here, uh, you know, what is your favorite species to hunt and why? I like to ask everyone I have on that, and oh, it's, I've no, got some interesting it's been, answers. It's been a huge thing going around social media right now, too. Everyone's posting you know, the picture of a deer, and then they got a turkey under it. You know, which one if you had to? Um, there's many species out there that I haven't. Um, in my mind, that North America is, is such a target rich environment i mean i know i know a few people that have hunted you know south africa and stuff like that but to me there is something and everybody out there that's in the deer hunting can relate to it there's something about the 
it would be deer and turkey. I mean, mm-hmm. I know, but if you had to pick one, I, I would have to say the whitetail. There's just yeah. just about the time you think you haven't figured out, you don't. And we've all been there where, I mean, you hear the squirrels in the woods and it's just, I mean, you can look back and you swear you just look back three seconds ago and then you look back again and, you know, there he is or there she is standing right under your tree or something. You know, they are so smart, so unbelievable. And, you know, I, I'm not knocking, you know, bow hunter, gun hunter. I do both. I love them both. But, yeah. you know, to me, it's when it comes to bow hunting whitetails, it's, there's just something about it. I mean, it's, you feel like it's, it's a chess game, you know, and it's, it's one thing. And thank God for St. Crusher, you know, it's just their nose. It's, you might be able to get away with, you know, fooling their sight. You want to stay quiet, but they're, they're in my mind, one of the most hardest big game and smartest big game animals in North America. Yeah. Um, nevertheless, even to even to go even further with that, to think that I, I really think that not only are they one of the smartest, but I, I think they're truly one of the, one of the hardest ones to hunt. I mean, it really goes to say a lot of the, the big, big time, you know, hitters on the jury's team, which I, their phones blow up because I'm always asking them for advice. You know, when these guys get on and harvest the mature whitetail, you've mm-hmm. done something. Yeah. I mean, you truly have done something. So, yeah, no, that's great. I mean, I had an author um, on the podcast that had hunted all of North America. He said he thought he had killed almost every big game animal in North America. And he's like, honestly, uh, I can tell you growing up in Iowa that, uh, you know, whitetail's the hardest. And I was like, man, that's really affirming. <laughs> that, that feels and, really and honestly, good. They're, they're one of the, one of the toughest too. I mean, we, we don't want to, you know, we're definitely not promoting bad shots and stuff, but it happens. Mm-hmm. It happens to all of us. It gets the best of us sometimes and it's going to happen. And we, we really got to help whoever made the bad shot that week or that year, whatever, help them get through that, help them look for that game. We owe it to them. But you know, it's amazing how tough a whitetail is. I've hunted antelope and other, you know, North American species and some of them, I'm not going to say that they're easy to, to harvest because it's a challenge getting on them, but sometimes it don't take much to get them to expire. Yeah. And a whitetail shot placement is so important. So, you know, it's one of those things with the, with the gun, you, you may be able to get away with a little more because of actually the velocity and be able to really pinpoint accuracy and sneak something in there, you know, whether it's a, but when it comes to the, the archery, in my mind, it's so important to do your best to try to get a clear shot, a broadside or, or a quarter and away because they are such, such a tough animal. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I, I agree. And that's, that's, uh, that's why they're my favorite as well. Um, so just wrapping up here, um, where can, where can listeners keep up with you or where can they find you if they want to, if they want to follow Sean Lundy? Um, most of my stuff is done on Instagram. If you just follow me at Sean Lundy Drury Outdoors. So that's where I basically do most of my posts and try to keep up with what's going on in my stories and stuff like that, whether it's hunting trips or just family adventures or (laughs) things we're doing, just being the one. So, but with that being said, that's one thing that I, to all the young listeners out there or to the, the ones out there that have young ones getting involved. I see this time and time again, and there's enough anti-hunting out there and anti-firearms and anti, at times we seem to be our worst enemy ourselves. 
and I, I've had it happen last year, and I, I've seen it in years past. And I've only been on social media about a year or so now. But you know, when no matter who it is, if someone's out there and they're posting a picture of their animal, it all goes back. And I know it's I think it's a good way to end the whole thing, the, the podcast and stuff. Is that if a child, or I don't even not even necessarily a child, or someone that's just getting involved in the outdoors, or someone that is involved in the outdoors, but they're maybe they're just not somebody that has all those weeks off to harvest the biggest deer in the woods or the biggest turkey. When you're posting the pictures, we, we can't knock on each other. I mean, because all you're doing is you're making it even harder for us as hunters to grow, for this to get back to where it was, for our numbers to go back up. And I have so many uh, young kids that and new hunters that will direct message me a picture of their deer and and they've made the comments like hey i just i know you'd appreciate this i didn't want to post it because and most of the time it's because of the size yeah you know and if we're trying to get new people young or old involved in the outdoors and if they go out there and they harvest what in your mind is not good enough for just a mediocre deer we can't knock them that was their harvest that was their thing we all have different management and I understand that. And if you're hunting on a piece of property and there's, we've got to respect on what those people put into that property. And it's the same thing when someone goes out there and harvests a big animal. And there's people out there that year after year can just consistently put down big deer, especially, you know, a lot of the guys that are on juries, but we can't be knocking them either because yeah. that's how they hunt, you know, and there's a lot of hard work that goes into that. And it's the same saying for the kid, the kids and the younger hunters that are shooting something in their mind, that's going to get them to, in, in my mind, and I've seen it happen where they were competitive. Like I said, in the beginning, they want to be accepted. They want to be part of the team. Well, guess what guys, you're already part of the team. If you're, <laughs> you're part of the team, you're part of the outdoor. Well, you'll see them not want to one post their pictures show their stories or two within two or three years they're they really don't want to be involved in the outdoors anymore and part of that is because they're they're in the woods and they they've only harvested one deer in their life or haven't harvested one yet and they're waiting for that deer whether they're hunting you know a small piece of private or some public ground and they're waiting for the deer that everybody on social or everybody in the outdoors is going to say wow great job and and we all know that those big deer are not around every tree yeah so you're getting people that are not involved and that's why it's so key in my mind when a child comes hunting with me and they say well what what can i harvest and my my son he's already doing it already where it's you know have a deer come out and in my mind at, at 10 years old and he's been harvesting deer since he was four it's it's like are you ready and him on his own is like dad what do you think and, I, and i'll tell him well I, I think he's young well do you think he's a good deer? i think he's a great deer you know and if you want to you know, they'll grow on their own you know my, my son he's not passing up every 130 140 inch deer out there but he's already starting to maybe harvest more does you know and and pass up on what he feels is a smaller buck they're gonna do it on their own and i really think in the beginning if I would have told them, hey, listen, you're going to have to wait to kill a four or five-year-old buck. You know, here's my my biggest hunting buddy in the world, you know, my son Cole. He, to this day, he wouldn't have done it yet, you know. And would he still be involved as much as he is? I don't know. <laughs> you know, if, if you 
So we've got to support each other. We can't, we, you know, if it's, if it's, if it's shot legally and ethically, and that's the way it needs to be done, we need to be congratulating each other. So. Yeah, no, I love that. I think that is a great uh, way to end it. Um, you know, just being supportive of other, other hunters, you know, trophies are relative. It's, it's how it made you feel. And, and if I'm sure you had the same shakes and jitters on a 110 inch buck as you did a 150. Um, so just, I, I still, I still get it right now. I yeah. Mean, it's, I, I go out and it's, well, we're not going to go ahead and uh, we're going to wait for certain deer we've been targeting, you know, and, and, and I'll say it to all the viewers out there. It's I, you know, here I am and people are like, well, he's on jury outdoors. I have not killed a booner. You know, everyone thinks these people that are on, you know, hunting on TV and stuff that they're these professional hunters don't have jobs. And it'd be nice to kill three or four booners a year. Um, well, when I kill a booner, you know, I'm blessed enough where most likely it's going to be filmed. Mm-hmm. You guys are going to see a grown man cry. I mean, it's, you know, it's just, it, it, to me, I, if we're targeting a certain deer and, you know, does will walk by and I, have, I don't get nervous. Well, then that next day it's like, Hey, we're going to go out and try to harvest a couple of does and, you know, put some meat in the cooler. That doe walks out and I, I start losing it. You know what I'm saying? It, yeah. It's game time. And that's, we're all out there. No matter whether it's your first harvest or your or your, your last harvest and that's one of those things that i i still take pride in when you watch mark mark and terry and they're doing a lot of their herd management harvesting does and stuff you, you never see them harvest a doe and just say okay next mm-hmm. i mean there's still excitement there about it you know what i'm saying it's 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 part of us as outdoorsmen it's that feeling that everybody knows that you know what i'm talking about so it's unbelievable and you know it's we all get nervous and uh you know, but most of all, we need to support each other and uh, help each other by sharing experiences. So, yeah, no, thank you so much uh, for for coming on here. Uh, this is Sean Lundy of Drury Outdoors, um, and you let me know when you want to talk again. I would love to chat again with you on the podcast. Absolutely, absolutely. I look forward to it. Just like Sean said, I think all hunters need to promote positivity and encourage each other, no matter the size of the harvest. I hope you all enjoyed this episode of the podcast with Sean Lundy. Next week, I'll be talking to the co-founder of the Go Wild app.